rather than having made prudent life choices all along, most of us tend to only seek healthful solutions once we've had a scare in the form of a diagnosis or event. This is HealthScape with Dr. Trevor Campbell. In this program, we'll show you the techniques, innovations, and holistic ideas that you can use to put yourself on the path to better health. Now, here is Dr. Trevor Campbell. Hello, and welcome to HealthScape. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Campbell. The ancient Greek philosopher Socrates famously advised all to know thyself. This was also said to help us learn what we do not know. Or stated differently, a reminder for us to understand the confines of our knowledge. He would certainly have valued this because he also once said that the unexamined life is not worth living. On the other hand, perhaps he just finessed that life was simply far too short for repeated mistakes and ongoing floundering. A professor of philosophy once explained to our class that in philosophy, after having pondered and reflected and having wrestled thoroughly with the subject, one still ends up being confused but in a way, way more interesting manner. But let there be no confusion about today's topic titled Knowing Oneself the IRS Way. With us here today to deliver the goods, so to speak, we have Dr. Richard Miller, the originator of this discipline and approach. A brief bio follows. Richard C. Miller, PhD, is a clinical psychologist, author, researcher, yogic scholar, and spiritual teacher who has devoted his life to integrating Western psychology and neuroscience with the ancient wisdom teachings of yoga, tantra, advita, Taoism, Taoism, uh, sorry, and Buddhism. Develop of the research-based program, IRIST Yoga Nidra Meditation, Richard is the founder of IRIST Institute, co-founder of the International Association of Yoga Therapists, and former president of the Institute for Spirituality and Psychology. He is author of Yoga Nidra, the IRIST Meditative Practice for Deep Relaxation and Healing, and the IRIST Program for Healing PTSD. Richard leads retreats and trainings internationally, emphasizing enlightened living in daily life. His website is at www.irest, that's I-R-E-S-T dot org. Richard, you are so very welcome here on Healthscape. Great to have you with us. And great to be with you, Trevor. Thank you for having me on as your guest today. It's, it's great. No, great having you, uh, Richard. Um, to get going, uh, IRIST has been described as an accessible form of meditation designed for modern day living that allows for a whole new level of healing, wellness, and well-being. How is this achieved? IRIST is based on an ancient practice, as you uh, noted in your uh, intro, called Yoga Nidra. Uh, yoga meaning our deep connectedness with ourself and nature and everything around us. And nidra is an interesting word that means sleep in Sanskrit, but it also means a changing state of consciousness. So yoga nidra is a practice whereby we learn how to, as you were saying in your introduction, know thyself and keep that sense of interconnectedness, no matter the changing state of consciousness that's present, whether 
we're in a deep emotional catharsis, say undergoing grief or sadness, a moment of reactive anger, or um, a changing state of consciousness, much like sleep and dream or waking consciousness. So the protocol that I've developed utilizing these very ancient teachings of Yoga Nidra are designed to help us first really connect to our body because we get information from our body as sensation, emotions, thoughts, uh, whether we're in comfort or discomfort, they're all coming to us by way of sensations that we are able to relate to in our body. So the first movement I would say of iRest is helping us learn how to feel and sense our body where, and I'll do a little demonstration in a little while, we start say with sensations in the mouth and move all the way down through our toes so that eventually we are able to sense information wherever it's coming to us from our body. The yeah. second aspect of the program is really helping us to connect with our breath because our breath is a gateway to energy in our body, but also when we have a strong emotion that we don't work with or a situation where we might feel overwhelmed, it could be a car accident, it could be a chronic or an acute illness, or for some people, post-traumatic stress from some act of war or trauma, whatever it is, the diaphragm can be frozen in a way that we repress our emotions. And so breathing is really a gateway to relaxing and gaining access to the diaphragm and respiratory muscles, liberating energy, but also liberating emotions that then the program is teaching us how to navigate different emotions as well as the sensations and the thoughts and beliefs that we may have fallen into through our conditioning in our family or culture. But the, the program is, is designed to help us, I like to think of it as the owner's manual that we may not have gotten as children <laughs> that are teaching us how to work with body sensations, emotions, thoughts, and how to reawaken, I would say, a great deep joy that lives innately in our body and to bring it to the surface so that we can feel, I would say, a deep sense of well-being and even a deep sense of joy, no matter the changing state of consciousness. And ultimately, the program is teaching us how to be the awareing witness of all that we experience so that we can navigate our experiences but not get lost in them and really feel this underlying sense of well-being that isn't something that we're doing but it's actually a fabric of our basic being as human beings that we can learn how to access and carry with us and keep that sense of deep interconnectedness with ourselves the people around us, the world activities that are going on. So we're really integrating it into all of our daily activities. So that's a little bit about an overview of the IRS program. Yes, yeah, certainly fascinating and much needed, I would say, these days. 
uh, certainly great a great need for this type of practice. Well, you know, I, I did a recent search on the internet to see what are the three most prevalent um, aspects that people are wanting to ha have help with. And the number one actually was sleep. Mm -hmm. Number two was stress. And number three was anxiety. And way down the list was a sense of well-being. Yeah. I would take yeah. that well-being and put it at the top of the yeah. list because yes. if we yeah. can really feel that unchanging sense of well-being that a program like IRES can help us access, we can use that to get a better night's sleep yes. to deal with our stresses on a daily basis and any anxieties or fears that are arising. Well, we often see that in medicine where we're so busy trying to correct what is wrong or what is to complain about but we don't look at removing the cause and well, very often you can be supposed to first remove the cause right well it's interesting because you know i've worked a lot with military with the homeless with people going through uh, very challenging circumstances and i always remember what one fellow from the va the veterans administration said when he went through our program he said all the programs up until now have always stressed from the beginning what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. You're the first program that right from the start was emphasizing what's right about me. Right. And that has made all the difference. Yeah, no, no, I, I think I see that a lot. We see it, you know, my interest, main, main interest is chronic pain, as you know. And, um, you know, obviously medication can be successful and injection therapy can pr provide a much needed respite. We get these emotional stories of being able to walk on the beach with one's grandchildren. People are really emotional about it. But at the end of the day, the behavioral issues are not being challenged and um, just so much in the social issues. Uh, you know, if one's not socializing, obviously um, life is pretty bad whether or not you ill or have chronic pain, right? Yes. And as you were saying, we want to see if we can address the underlying cause right at the start and then work with the symptoms as we move up, as we move along and, and give the interventions that, that really do address the symptoms. Right. Now, um, you mentioned yoga with the connectedness and nidra pertaining to sleep, more or less. Is there anything that sets that apart from the yoga, does it imply to me who has a very flimsy understanding of yoga itself, um, it's not so much the physical, you do, it's, it's stuff that people do internally. So for example, if they're traveling opposite you on a train and you wouldn't even know they're doing it, that kind of practice, as opposed to the obvious yoga positions and, and the acrobat, well, you know, kind of often challenging positions there. Right. So yes, uh, yoga nidra is really a more contemplative practice of self-inquiry where it's helping a person to really know themselves at a very deep and intimate level. Right. And then to be able to carry that out into their daily life, whether they're doing yoga exercises at the gym or just going about their daily routines. So what um, what experience or experiences, in your opinion, or information that you gained as you were learning about these various disciplines and practicing them, um, that gave you the realization that this 
what's been put together now with iRest and Yoga Nidra would be a game changer? Was it direct personal experience? And usually I suppose it's a combination of things. It is a, it is a combination. Back in 1970, I was experiencing a, a depression. I was new in San Francisco where I had moved. I didn't know anybody. Um, I was feeling a bit alone and, and a bit of uh, isolation. Mm -hmm. I wandered into a yoga class. And at the very end of the class, the woman taught a, what I now know was a rudimentary yoga nidra practice. I walked out that evening feeling so connected to myself, to the universe. The depression had gone. The sense of isolation and alienation had vanished. And as I walked home, I, I realized I wanted to understand more about what had just happened to me experientially. What was the practice that she had given and, and how can I find out about more about mm -hmm. it? That led me through a succession of readings and teachers and um, travels that really helped me explore this practice first for myself experientially. And then when I started sharing it with people, I started seeing amazing results of people being able to sleep through the night, heal their post-traumatic stress, work with their anxiety, their fears, and then Subsequently, in 2004, the United States military approached me to see if the program might be helpful for veterans and active duty soldiers who were experiencing tremendous post-traumatic stress disorder. And that led to a number of research studies that actually showed the efficacy of the program where Walter Reed Army Medical Center back then integrated my program into their deployment health clinical center and subsequently then any returning veteran had the option to take my program as part of their healing regimen we subsequently did studies not just with post-traumatic stress but with anxiety and acute and chronic pain and again we kept seeing these wonderful results where now the program is in some 80 or 85 VA sites across the United States, but we're in 25 countries in clinics and coming into hospital settings, but also just regular classes that people are teaching it. So it's, it's a number of uh, elements that have really gone into me realizing the extraordinary, both simplicity of the program, but the power that, that mm -hmm. it can have and the immediacy that of the effect that people often feel, although we know with any program, we want people to continue with it so they really learn how to embody it and in, embed it into their daily routines. Right. I think also the fact that it's so accessible. I know I've recommended for chronic pain for people who struggle with meditation, uh, you know, the low energy, not sleeping that well, and so forth. And, um, you know, as a, a guided meditation is useful. Have used it myself once for a period of insomnia I went through. Um, and I was surprised. Well, well I wasn't, what's the word? I was actually, I thought, let's try this with an open mind, just go for it. And um, I was surprised the, the results I had. Well, I, I love 
the IREST approach of Yoga Nidra because many people are adverse to meditation because they have to sit and it becomes uncomfortable where we ask people to lie down and feel right. welcome to actually even fall asleep, that they get the rest that they need. And then at some point they will come back more alert and continue to uh, mm -hmm. feel and, and practice the different elements of, of the program. Yeah, I've even heard from patients with young children, they say that the, the, their kids off, uh, probably find it too compelling or they think they must be ill because they don't leave them alone. The minute they see them, you know, sitting quietly in a chair with their <laughs> eyes closed. So I guess, yeah, it's, it, it, it can be problematic to fit in certain, you know, people's days. It, um, it's true. It, it is fun to see how how children really take up the practice as I mean, I, I was teaching my children as young as three years old when I was putting them to sleep. And I've worked with children from three until 93 and older, and they all get the benefit. Right. Um, it's been mentioned that it um, the iris and uh, yoga nidra um, approach has it encompasses features from yoga nidra, of course, and, and psychology and neuroscience. Um, can you name maybe one of each that sort of form the essential mix? Yeah. Please. The, the program traditionally of yoga nidra is a multi-step program, again, working with the body, the senses, emotions, the mind, and, and mining this sense of joy and this quality of awareness, of witnessing presence. Yes. In terms of psychology, as a psychologist, I've studied the major movements of psychology, and I can see that in this ancient program, the ancients understood rational and motive psychology, where we're learning how to navigate our emotions or cognitive behavioral therapy where we're learning how to deal with our underlying thought structures mm -hmm. but also structures like emdr which has become very prevalent in the world today which i've also trained in which works with opposites of the eyes moving them back and forth as we move through an experience in the irest yoga nidra program we're constantly working with opposites where if a person is in chronic pain, I will have them experience that, but also some opposite in their body where they feel a sense of no pain or comfort. We do that with emotions. When someone's, say, experiencing sadness, we'll ask them for the opposite and where they might experience that in their body. Mm -hmm. So built into the program, I see are all the basic approaches to psychology. At the neuroscience level, we're working as a body-based program. So autogenics, which has been highly studied, where we ask a person to feel cool forehead, warm hands, um, their abdomen moving as they exhale, and, et cetera. We're helping reprogram the body uh, along with progressive relaxation where we're moving through the body systematically because progressive relaxation and autogenics have been proven to be anti-anxiety, helping people with panic, anxiety, fear, depression, and other things. 
at the same time, we know at a neuroscience level, people get caught in recursive negative thoughts and judgments. And mm -hmm. we can see when we place a person in the MRI that they're in a particular part of their brain called the default network, which can held people hostage in these negative recursive thoughts. When we do a methodology like IRES, we can see a shift dramatically into a whole other part of their brain, which we call the present-centered network, where the recursive thoughts begin to soften and may even die away. And a person enters into a whole new state that has been coined uh, opening to infinite possibilities where we mm. can have insights that we can't have when we're held hostage in the default network. So we can radically and very quickly shift a person from this default state where they're being held hostage, say by negative thoughts over to a more present-centered network within a matter of a few minutes. I'll, I'll demonstrate that when I give a little demonstration of the practice. Yeah, so we know we can shift the brain activity and over time, these deep grooves that have been created by conditioning, anxiety, pain, or fear, we can in a way soften and even sometimes remove those grooves while we're nourishing and cultivating new grooves of well-being and the ability to meet these more challenging states of emotions and thoughts. So the practice really does have these different aspects that are built into it that have been there from the very beginning because I've traced this practice back thousands of years. The ancients, you know, through their own experiences understood what we've come to understand in modern times and put names on it like rational emotional therapy or behavioral cognitive therapy or EMDR or neuroscience. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it is fun for me to really see the science that is showing in the research that these ancient practices really do have a deep impact. Yeah, um, the, um, you know, from going from witnessing, witness to witnessing, is this a feature of yoga nidra as well? It is. When we are a witness, we are in a, um, a, um, a relationship where, where we are over here as the subject and what we're witnessing is over there as an object. And if right. somebody's listening to this, just locate some object in the room and realize you're the witness mm -hmm. and it's over there as what you're witnessing. But you keep yourself in an object-subject relationship as a witness. There's right. a transition into what we call being witnessing, where we feel ourselves more as the field in which both the object okay. that we're aware of and ourself as the subject are co-arising. And so we move from being a noun as a witness to being a process verb as witnessing Mm -hmm. And we can really feel the immediacy of the effect that this has. It, it shifts us out of the default into that present-centered network. And we really then can access information that is otherwise unavailable to us. Yeah, so it, it creates distance from the acute unpleasant. And, and that would be very much like transpersonal psychology, would it not? 
Well, it's interesting that you say that. Initially, it creates a gap or a distance so that we can learn how to navigate an emotion or a pain that we're having in our body more effectively. But then ultimately, it helps us paradoxically feel more connected with the emotion or the discomfort in such a way that doesn't interestingly overwhelm us, but just the opposite. There's a spontaneous, we call it disidentification, where we're feeling it, but we know ourselves as something more than it that, as you say, in transpersonal psychology, we're learning how to transcend it, mm -hmm. but not um, get rid of it in a way. It, it resolves itself, interestingly. You know, as you're speaking, Richard, um, I, I'm thinking, you know, the studies came out that just explaining to, to patients that their chronic pain is not the prolongation of acute symptoms, because then it wouldn't be acute, right? But mm -hmm. it's it's a disease or disorder in its own right, and studies have shown this. I am from some from Australia, that um, that once people had a, an adequate explanation, they could see this is a different ball game. They actually got better without further. Well, they improved somewhat without yeah. further treatment. Now, is it because you're getting this bird's eye view? When because when you witnessing, it suddenly you see what looks to you like the totality and it's not as mysterious. Could there be that kind of angle to it? I, I think there are three angles that come to me right away. One is what you're saying, where we're able to see it from different perspectives that we couldn't when we were so involved in it. Mm -hmm. One fellow said he feels like when he's doing eye rest, he's in a helicopter traveling around the pain that he's having yeah. versus being inside of it. Yes. And so it gives that perspective. Um, another way that it also helps is when we assign the label pain, mm -hmm. that label itself is needing to be removed because when we transition from the label pain to asking a person just to feel the sensation of it, there can be often an immediate um, amelioration or decrease in the pain because they're not caught up in the thinking mode. They're more in a relationship to the sensation and the sensation then we can then begin to help them explore it. Where's its center, where, it's, where is its outermost border or boundary and the, 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 the sensation itself may begin to open into what we might call the space around it that gives it more room to be present and paradoxically the person feels less pain so the concept pain can help a can hold a person hostage in the actual sensation by by helping them let go of the label pain and be with the sensation we can often get an immediacy of a relief. So I think getting that perspective, removing the, the label, and then feeling ourselves more as this witnessing presence in which the pain is arising, we're able to shift away from the pain into a, another, we might say, quality of space that we are. And when we go back and forth touching the pain, then our spaciousness, and then we hold them both, these opposites can often bring forward an immediacy of a healing. 
I've always been amazed when I ask a person to feel their chronic or acute pain and then find an opposite and feel that and go back and forth and then feel both at the same time. Many people have remarked, what just happened because I don't feel the pain anymore? And it's a shift in consciousness, we might say, that gives a relief in an unexpected way. Um, sorry, uh, Richard, time for a quick commercial break. Sure. You're listening to Healthscope, Healthscape with your host, Dr. Trevor Campbell, speaking with Dr. Richard Miller about knowing oneself, well-being, healing, and recovery. We will be right back. Are you satisfied with your chronic pain treatment? Chronic pain experts agree that recovery can only occur when the psychological and social issues which help trigger and drive the chronic pain are treated along with the other problems. Medications, injection therapy, and a range of physical therapies may provide temporary relief of symptoms, but they don't actually address the root causes that drive the chronic pain. I'm Dr. Trevor Campbell, a chronic pain consultant and author of The Language of Pain, a self-help book for those struggling with chronic pain. Add this type of therapy to your existing treatment plan and experience the difference. Get your copy of my book, The Language of Pain, on Amazon. And for further direction, there's also the Language of Pain online course available on my website, www.trevorcampbellmd.com. Act now to take back your life. You are listening to Healthscape with Dr. Trevor Campbell. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to host at trevorcampbellmd.com. Now back to the show. You're listening to Healthscape with your host, Dr. Trevor Campbell, speaking with Dr. Richard Miller about knowing oneself, well-being, healing, and recovery. We, we continue. Richard, I was thinking during the break, um, you know, this is purely symbolic, but we also know how powerful symbols can be. And the thought of seeing it like from a helicopter, you like above all this kind of thing, uh, you know. Um, and uh, I mean, that it, it may be the only time that a person who's had long-standing pain has even felt vaguely that way. I'm just throwing that out. I'm, I'm not suggesting it's a, a major deal, but I can see that, um, you know, they're so desperate for something to hang more optimism on very often. Well, I, I think it is actually a big deal because we are so used to saying I'm in pain versus pain is present. And so there's that immediacy of identification that somehow I'm the pain when we're able to view it as if from a helicopter and gain perspective as a witnessing presence we're able in that moment to have enough of a disidentification where we realize I'm more than this pain. I was here before this pain was present. I'm right. here while the pain is present. And if and when the pain resolves, I'm still here. So who is this that I am that transcends the pain? And because we're so taught early on to identify with all of our emotions, our sensations, we don't say I, uh, hunger is present. We say I'm hungry or I have a headache versus strong sensation is present in this part of the body. 
that disidentification and that ability to take perspective, I think has a huge impact that most people have not or have yet to understand. What sort of studies uh, back up these claims? Just if you could tell us more about that, please. Well, there's been a lot of research. What we've done, we've done over 25, almost 35 studies to date where we're looking at how when someone, say, works with opposites is able to take that perspective, how they get a, a strong um, relief from the pain or the emotion that they're suffering or the circumstance that they're going through, whether it's working with cancer or uh, chronic illness, acute illness, or, or some other trauma that they've had in their life, or just a general stress. Mm -hmm. um, so the research we've done has shown that. And then there's a huge body of literature now. When I first got involved in 1970, there was hardly any literature in the West. It was all in the East. But now there thousands of research studies that are showing the efficacy that come out of meditation, mindfulness, yoga right. nidra in general, and I rest as a specific application. Right. And if people are interested, they can go to our website, irest.org, and we have a research site on our website where they can see the research we've done. And I, I, I noticed that the Surgeon General has approved it for, as a complementary and alternative treatment. Please correct me if I'm saying anything wrong uh, for chronic pain and a few other conditions. Yeah, it was it was cited back when we did our research back in 2004, five and six. And the Surgeon General then did cite it as a, a program that could be useful and helpful for acute and chronic pain and also a um, methodology well worth further research for healing and helping people manage their symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, which we've come to understand through all of the research we've done now in different uh, VA settings, but also private clinics and hospitals around the country. And when you, when you uh, I, I noted you said um, they have the option to take the program, what sort of buying rate do you get uh, more or less uh, a range? Like, you know, buying always being the, the, the difficult part of any intervention in chronic pain. Um, you know, it becomes really a word of mouth. When we introduced it into say the Washington DC VA, mm -hmm. people initially were skeptical, but a few people joined our first group and they were so, um, it was such a helpful intervention. They invited their friends. That group got became filled up and we started a second group, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and so on. Right. So as people really see the efficacy, right. they begin to tell their friends. And, and a lot of these methodologies really gain traction through word of mouth because most people aren't reading the research. No. And then they may see an article now online or in a magazine, which is uh, giving further impetus to try it. And we always say, you know, try it and see for yourself. And so that buy-in, as you say, we get once people taste it, 
Mm-hmm. It's like they get hooked and realize this is a methodology they've been looking for. For instance, we're now starting to come into Australia to help people in the cybersecurity industry who have a 30% burnout. And um, they're under tremendous stress. Mm-hmm. And one of the leaders of the cybersecurity industry, Peter Coronius, in Australia recognized the value of the IRS program and is introducing it into the government, the military, and all the corporate settings. Right. And next year, we'll be integrating it here in the United States into cybersecurity as well. It's excellent. Um, yeah, no word of mouth is certainly, I mean, also the, the conventional model for medicine is, you know, the the, the hierarchy of, of specialists and so forth and, and moving up the line and down um, with, with medication and surgical interventions and so forth. And people, you know, don't just take to something new, but as you say, the proof of the pudding, as there's the British say, is in the eating thereof. In the eating and... I I mean, back in the 50s, you went to the doctor who told you what to do and what to take. Now the now the patients are coming to the doctors and saying, I need this medication or I need this practice. Would you prescribe it for me? So we see a whole reversal where people are getting so educated because of the worldwide Internet that they're coming to their health practitioners, their insurance companies and saying, hey, I need this practice. So there's a lot of impetus and buy-in from the population that's really isn't it shifting medicine absolutely you know and, and not, not to mention three, at least three decades of advertisements with big pharma telling you to demand a specific drug so i would love to see in the future television programs that are advertising eye rest for your <laughs> chronic pain and for your emotional uh, well-being yeah absolutely um what, where do you think are the, I'm using a term that is close to me because there used to be an excellent journal out on, on that um, uh, called New Horizons. Where do you feel the new horizons are for Yoga Nidra and for IRIST? I mean, obviously all these disciplines, they, they do evolve. Do you see any specific niche or line of research that's preferred or anything along those lines? Well, so much in the past was more um, in medicine, we might say mechanical, Mm -hmm. and the mind wasn't really seen as a helping agent. Now we know that it is a mind-body connection. So I see the horizon expanding in medicine where they really are more and more open to techniques, approaches like IRES that come in at, we might say a cognitive level, but are working directly with the body and the emotions and the physicality where just through mindfulness meditation that IRES is an aspect of, we can turn the tide for chronic pain and give people resources that help either as adjunctive therapies to the medicines that they're needing to take, for instance, so that they take less medicine, or it sometimes can replace it. We've seen in our studies that people have reduced their diabetic medicines, their antidepressants, their anti-anxieties, and their sleep medications, sometimes going completely off them because they no longer need Mm -hmm. them 
or reducing them to such an extent, a lot of the side effects of some of these potent medicines are no longer present. So right. the horizon for me is the, the integration where you go to a health clinic and you have the option of traditional medicine and all the wonderful interventions that it provides, but you also have Chinese medicine, acupuncture, massage, Ayurveda, and mm -hmm. interventions like IRS. So there are clinics that are now integrating it in that manner where right. you go and all those facilities are there as options and and your physician is well versed in them and knowing which ones that might be effective for the individual patient um for someone who is new uh to all of this how do you suggest i mean is it get an app or what would be your advice to them if they said look i need some kind of cover for my thinking due diligence, my emotions. Um, I'm, I'm not saying we're taking them away from psychiatrists and psychologists. I'm suggesting just they feel that as they, as life becomes more complicated, fuller as one ages, perhaps, this is, they feel a need for it. Yeah. Well, I, I think first we want to, you know, recognize that things like IRS, Yoga Nidra, they're, they're adjunctive therapies. They can assist whatever mm -hmm. other interventions are present. Sometimes they become the central modality, but I always see them as adjunctive assisted practices. Right. So we say, you know, if you want to learn about IRES, go to our website. We have free offerings where you can taste it in an eight minute, a 20 minute, a 30 minute practice and see the effect that it has immediately on your life. And then if you're interested, you can take courses through our institute or we've trained almost 7,000 teachers worldwide. So there's the high likelihood that in each person's area, whether they're in Canada, the United States, Europe, Czechoslovakia, South Korea, China, uh, there's probably a practitioner in your area that you could actually go to and take a course or take private lessons with. And right. because Zoom is now such an effective methodology, many of our courses are both offered in person and online. Mm -hmm. So people can learn this in the comfort of their own home. So I say, contact my organization. You can go right to the website and download one of, or listen to one of the practices and or take one of the courses and begin to integrate it into your life and do it from the comfort of your own home. We right. also have an app called Jabu Mind, which we created for teachers to help them with their daily stress. And people can go online and download Jabu Mind mm -hmm. or another one called Mindfulness Coach. Right. Mindfulness Coach has my entire 42 meditations from my book that can help a person learn the program actually no cost so there are lots of beautiful entryways or portals for learning practices like i rest excellent now you talk about the importance of regular practice and very interesting to me you add after the statement a little and often i mean that's key if you deal with people with chronic pain 
as you would know, um, which intuitively sounds like it is more effective than having these infrequent marathon type sessions, which kind of burn people out. And I know sometimes we get particularly in younger males, they want to perform and sort of get ahead of the problem more quickly, I guess. And then they kind of overdo it. Uh, I think this is tailor-made. It, it resonates with me. It's tailor-made for today's type of living where you can actually, I won't say dip into it. Well, dip into it's the wrong word, the wrong phrase, but you can actually practice it three times for short periods, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. I think that's very appealing. And that's why I've created longer practices, say 30, 35 minute practices, but I also have 20 minute, 12 minute, eight minute, five minute, and one minute practices. And then I teach people to create mnemonic devices, for instance, when they come to a stoplight, bring in for just a few moments, one of the approaches that you've learned in IRES to relax your jaw or soften your shoulders, or when they're going from, say they're a, a medical practitioner and they're about to enter a patient's room, when they touch the doorknob, just to take a moment, center yourself, mm -hmm be more present and then come in to the room. So they're wonderful little 20 second, 15 second, one minute, five minute practices that people can learn to embed all day long. Mm -hmm. And at first, yes, they're learning to remember to do it, but later on it becomes second nature. So when they touch the doorknob, for instance, or come to the stop sign, there's an automatic relaxation response. Right. It just comes because they've done it so often. So right. little and often, I would much prefer than, as you said, taking, you know, a big gulp, but then not doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. Or in so infrequently or irregularly, you mentioned you would like to do an eight minute demonstration. Would you like to do that now, Richard? I would love to. Thank you, Trevor. So let me invite everyone to take a moment and just, Wherever you are, sit back. You're welcome to lie down if there's a convenient way of doing that on a couch or a bed or even on the floor. And as you're beginning to settle and your eyes may be open or closed, just take a moment and let your senses open to the environment and sounds around you. Notice when you hear a particular sound, how your mind begins to name it. And as much as you can, let go of the name of the sound and just hear the sound itself. Perhaps the warmth or coolness of the temperature of the air on your skin. and sensations where your body is touching the surfaces that are providing support in this moment. And then if you would allow my voice to be like the sound of your voice traveling through your body, just sensing different parts of your body, for instance, in the hinges of your jaw. 
Noticing tension that may be present in the hinges, in the mouth or gums. Sensation where the breath inside the nostrils touches the inner surfaces and the inner surfaces along the walls of the throat as breath comes in and goes out. And notice sensations around your eyes and forehead. Sensations of the back of the neck and shoulders. And linger momentarily in one of your arms and just notice the natural feelings of heaviness or lightness that are present as the arm settles naturally more and more into its resting position. Come over to the opposite arm lingering and momentarily sensing the natural sensations of heaviness or lightness. And bring your attention in the palm of this hand, welcoming the sensations in the palm and fingers. Notice any tingling, throbbing, pulsing. And then gently bring attention over to the opposite hand and welcome sensations in the palm and fingers. And then both hands at the same time. Notice sensation in both hands and arms, shoulders at the same time. And the gentle movement of the belly as breath comes in and goes out, how the breath expands the belly gently. And during exhalation, how the belly just softens a little bit. So that with each exhalation, have a general feeling of a relaxation spreading out through the body. So as you're exhaling, feel out towards the extremities of the hands and feet. And then have a sense of the whole body all at once as a global field of sensation from toes to fingertips to crown of the head. Sensations both deep inside the body and on the surface of the body. And just notice how you're aware of the body as sensation. 
Uh, the body is in your awareness. So you might feel yourself as this witnessing presence that is aware of the body as sensation. And then let attention wander up and down the body, noting, is there any particular emotion or sensation feeling that's calling attention to it? It might be a feeling of comfort or discomfort or heaviness or lightness. It may be emotion. Just whatever it is, let yourself welcome it momentarily and peel off the label that the mind is assigning to it and just meet it as sensation. Noticing where and how in the body you're experiencing this sensation. And then gently ask or inquire if this sensation had an opposite, where in the body and how might I experience it as its opposite? And see if you can find, no matter whether it's a feeling or an emotion, comfort or discomfort, find a place that feels like an opposite somewhere in the body. If, for instance, you're experiencing sadness, where might you experience a sense of peace or ease or joy? If you're experiencing pain or discomfort, where might there be a place in the body where there's a lack of pain or a feeling of comfort? Richard, I'm afraid we rapidly have got run out of time. Um, I thank you so much for being on the show and I hope to have you again sometime. Uh, thank you very much for a most enriching and uplifting experience. This is your host, Dr. Trevor Campbell. I've been speaking with Dr. Richard Miller about knowing oneself, well-being, healing and recovery. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Healthscape with Dr. Trevor Campbell. We hope you'll join us again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time or listen anytime on demand on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a healthy week.